live from the mist and shrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters. You're listening to the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. And now, here's your host, Scott McKay. Greetings, gentlemen. Welcome to yet another episode of the world famous Mountaintop Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Scott McKay, at Scott McKay on Twitter, on Truth Social, on TikTok. And on Clubhouse. You can also find me on Instagram at Real Scott McKay. On YouTube, all the video representations of this show and a bunch of other goodies can be found by searching my name, S-C-O-T-M-C-K-A-Y. The website is mountaintoppodcast.com. If you haven't visited in a while, make sure to drop by. There's a bunch of new stuff for you, including our Masterclass series, which a lot of you guys are really giving me excellent feedback on. And if you're not in on our Facebook group just yet, well, by all means, join us. We're having way too much fun up there. That's the Mountaintop Summit on Facebook. All right, guys, buckle up. We have a returning guest today. She's one of your favorites. It's been way too long since she's been on the show. Uh, her name is Alana Pratt from Southern California, and she is an intimacy expert. And this is, I believe, her third time to come on the show. And I got to tell you, the last time she was on the show, she started talking about that delicious masculine feminine dance. Alana loves the word delicious. And I love the fact that Alana loves the word delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I could just make her giggle in the background by saying that. <laughs> yes, you can. And she started talking about the masculine feminine dance and how we as men provide and protect and love to be heroes for women. And that the natural feminine response is to recharge the masculine warrior's batteries, as she said, so that he's refreshed and empowered to go out and be a hero again. And she does that with joy and comfort and fun, and playfulness, and love, and all those things that we live for on weekends that femininity brings to the table, and that we as men just love to receive the gifts of. So I have been thinking more and more nowadays about how much of a shame it is, you know, in the literal and figurative sense, okay? The idiomatic representation of things being, oh, that's such a shame, is one thing, but it is actually shameful literally, that we don't talk about this topic in this manner so much anymore. We've let it slip. This idea of men and women being in partnership, men and women being born to be together, to be partners. And nowadays, you know, people talk about men and women as adversaries. You got the men going their own way, saying that women are no darn good. And instead of holding ourselves accountable as men, we just blame women for all sorts of bad things. And of course, on the women's side, there's plenty of ladies out there who just don't like men anymore. And, you know, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle and all these things that really just put men and women in an adversarial position with each other. And I wanted to invite Alana on, and she graciously accepted, to talk about not only the case for men and women really honestly being partners, but how that looks and how that can look moving forward in a world with so many adversarial positions about men and women being apart instead of together. So without anything further, Alana Pratt, how you doing? 
Oh my God, Scott, I am so happy to be reconnected again. We were we were sharing before the interview started how we probably have known each other for 15 years. And I think we look better than we did when we met. Um, so thank you so much for having me back. And one thing you don't know, because we haven't talked in a couple of years, I live in Wyoming. I'm no longer a Southern Cal gal. Oh my goodness. So you have gone Yellowstone on us. You've gone all 1883 on us. I have, and I'm loving it. I'm literally, Scott, looking at nine horses that are on the property that I'm renting. Uh, I'm wearing my cowboy boots and my jeans, and uh, this nature is so good for my soul. So, um, and your name of your podcast, Mountaintop, I'm so sorry, that just turns me on. Just, just, I get all naughty, even just by, by the name. So I'm like, I'm already in a, I'm already in a state. And uh, I think this is going to be a delicious conversation about partnership, as you said. And for me, as an intimacy expert, it's really about that partnership with ourself. We cannot well, give that to another uh, that we do not have inside of ourselves. So thank you for having me back. Well, what a happy unintended consequence of renaming my show. We're making women horny everywhere. I'm sorry. That's fantastic. Me on. <laughs> it almost sounds like such a waste that it's a men's podcast. I mean, I you know, what are we leaving on the table there? We could be turning on all these women with this show. That's okay. Well, I'll just, I'll make up for it. I'll super turn <laughs> all women and it's all good. <laughs> well, you know, we were visiting via video before we started and you look marvelous, darling, as usual. Oh, and, uh, you know, you said something about we've known each other for probably a decade and a half, which is true. And I said, yeah, we look younger than when we met because we mm. both do look pretty darn good. We look pretty healthy. Uh, I've started drinking like a gallon of water a day, and I swear I look 12 years younger a week later good after you. starting that. And you look, of course, radiant as always. Fantastic. It's the truth. And again, that is how men and women talk to each other when they like each other. So it just goes to show you that you're the perfect guest to have this conversation with because we're already having it indirectly. Now, you're originally from Canada, aren't you? True. Good memory. Yeah. Small town Canadian girl. Right. And then you moved to Southern California. And then I moved. Yes. And then I moved to Tokyo and then New York and then L.A. And now I'm where I live in the middle of nowhere in Wyoming feels very similar, actually, to Canada. So yes. that's why it feels like home. Now, where are you exactly in Wyoming? It's called Lander. There's one street that has lights. That's it. Fantastic. Isn't I love that brilliant. It. I do. Now, see, I could live in Tokyo forever. I'm so jealous you got to live in Tokyo. Oh, for four years. Why, Scott? Why would you want to live there? Oh, that's my favorite city to hang out in in the entire world. I just love Tokyo. I don't know about living there and paying the costs and yeah, you know, it was living expensive. the lifestyle. Yeah. What did you like about living there? What did you what do you like to do? Oh, I love the speed, I love the culture, I love how different it is than the western world yet somehow familiar. The food is second to none. Everything mm. is fun. Everything is full of joy. I love how when you walk into an elevator in Tokyo and press a button it goes ichiban in a little girl's voice. I just love everything everything Japanese. A lot of people in Japan love everything America. I, yeah. I think there's a kindred spirit between the innovation and the focus on pop culture in both countries, yet mm -hmm. each respective country does it so differently that it is exactly like I said. It's kind of like a dose of the familiar in terms of being a fast urban pop culture center, yet everything is different. It's like an alternative 
reality, an alternative universe full of different flavored Kit Kats and completely different snacks and <laughs> Kaiten Zushi and all kinds of crazy, wonderful things. It's so true. And sometimes it's not just a voice in the elevator. Sometimes it's a real live lady who just yes. tells you what floor we're about to go to and bows at you every floor. <laughs> right. For example, here's a great example of Japanese culture is baseball. You know, they co-opted it from the United States and made it uniquely Japanese. So Japanese folks, of course, love animation. Even if you're an adult, you love animated characters, you know, Pokemons mm -hmm. and Hello Kitties are a staple of their entire culture. They're even painting their airplanes with it, you know? Mm. So you go to a Yomiuri Giants game in the Tokyo Dome, and they don't just have a mascot. A hundred of them come out of center field. It's amazing. Do you want to know a funny story? Sure. I have danced at Tokyo Dome. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was such an crazy moment when the Jumbotron, uh, you see your face on the Jumbotron. It's 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 a bucket list moment. So, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. They have... All the techie stuff is five years ahead of the United States. They had those air blade things that you dry your hands with in the bathroom five years before we did, you know, all that stuff. They also have sex hotels. Did you go, did you do that? Well, I'll tell you what I did do. I uh, went and stayed at a pod hotel and they split my wife and I up. And one of my fellow brethren in the pod hotel side tried to make it a sex hotel with me, which I wasn't <laughs> necessarily interested in. Uh, but I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you have not. We have to go back. You have to go back. I do. Um, my kids want to go, but I think that would be a bad place to take my kids. I would agree. But you just send them someplace and then you and um, the wife go off and have a little. See, here's the deal. You can rest or stay and you pay based on in and out in three hours or spend the night. And when you walk in, all it is is these different pictures on the wall and you push the kind of theme room you want. And then this little thing opens up and you put the money in and takes the money down this tube and it brings your card back. Well, this was also many years ago. So maybe that's even more automated than this, but that's how it was back then. Um, and then it comes back down with your change and uh, your key and you go into an elevator and then you just go and you have sex. What if you don't make it out of the elevator? <laughs> That would be my wife and I, see. Oh, that's hot. You two are still so hot. I love it. Oh, we are. Well, <laughs> in other words, we digress so fully. <laughs> I don't want this to be rife with sexual innuendo. This is too friendly a show. <laughs> this is too uh, sobering a topic, isn't it, to let it descend into that sordid direction. But yeah, I absolutely love everywhere you've ever managed to relocate yourself for a while. Mm. And I can only imagine that this time of year, Wyoming is just absolutely gorgeous. It is. It's yeah. actually strange because there's all the, the trees are in bloom and the mountains still have snow on them. I'm waiting for this one road to open up so I can start going paddleboarding on the weekends. That's my happy place. Well, you know what? Yellowstone still has snow on the ground. It can be below freezing this time of year. It can. Yeah. I was just there a couple of weeks ago with a girlfriend and it was very chilly. And these two moose came to visit us in the hot tub, not in the hot tub, but like literally six feet from the hot tub. Kind of reminds me of a Tokyo sex hotel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, down to business. Let's provide value here. Yes. <laughs> Although that was probably the best 10 minutes of this podcast in recent history. All right. So here we go. Yeah. Time is already passing. We're already 12 minutes into this thing. Alana, what happened here? Here we are in the year 2022. For millennia, men and women 
were together, marrying off, making babies, raising families, little house on the prairie stuff. And nowadays, it just seems like a lot of men I talk to, they're still horny. They still want to, quote unquote, get laid, but they just can't stand women anymore. And so many women come to us, and you've probably heard me say this. It's becoming almost a trite banality around here that I repeat it. So many women come and say, oh, all men are liars. They're all scum. They're all no darn good. Uh, can you guys find me a good husband? And the answer is always, well, not with that attitude, lady. Right. So what happened here? How did we get into this rut where so many men and women feel so adversarial towards each other? What do you think? Well, as an intimacy expert, I know, and I'm a science geek as well, that the inside creates the outside, right? So an intimacy, intimacy is an inside job. I think there was a Pixar movie about that. There was, there was a great one, actually. I took my son to that. Um, so if we're having adversary on the outside, guess what the hell's happening on the inside? We have an adversarial relationship with an aspect or several aspects of ourself. So for example, if you're like, there's no good men and all the rest of it, that masculine energy of leading and directing and choosing and showing up and stepping up and all of that um, has let her down in life. But guess who else has let her down? Her own inner masculine hasn't stepped up, shown up, spoken up. She might be adversarial to her own self. Why did you do that wrong? Why didn't you listen to your heart? Why did you say yes when you meant no? Why did you sleep with them? Like she's actually adversarial with herself, but she hasn't learned how to integrate those unhealed wounds within herself. And so she's blaming herself um, in the form of blaming him. So when I have people and I and I work with them, I listen to them. I have compassion. Uh, I'm a great um, safe place to express themselves, be it a man or a woman or a couple that come to me. But ultimately, I'm like, you're actually mad at yourself. You actually haven't forgiven yourself. You actually don't trust yourself. And then they're like, ooh. And I know I've hit them, hit the nail on the head when the tears come or the silence comes. Because anybody can just run at the mouth and blame, blame, blame. But it really takes somebody brave who's willing to put on their big girl's spiritual panties or boxer shorts for guys, whatever, um, and really be mature and own it. And here's the key without self judgment. Otherwise we're, we're shaming the shame, judging the judgment. We're making it even worse. So that's what I believe is happening with this adversarial world of relationships is that we really need to deepen our intimate relationship with self so much. So Scott, I don't even know if you know this because last time we talked, um, when COVID first hit, I sensed, I don't know if you've ever had what I call them like God moments, like you're going along and then, you know, you've got to do this. It's like your purpose. It's like the universe is whispering or yelling. You must do this. And I knew that there was a huge mental health crisis coming. And I knew if I was like a surfer, I had to get out in front of the wave, get on the wave. So the wave wouldn't take me down, wouldn't crash on my business, on my clients or on humanity. So I started literally what's called a partnering app. We talk about the difference between adversarial relationships or true partnership. I knew that dating apps, in my opinion, are designed to keep people single. They make a profit when you fail at love. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. I choose to be a company where you become the one 
to find the one or attract the one you're with so that you keep and thrive with the one. It all starts on the inside first. And that's really about partnership with self. So you can have partnership with your beloved. Um, and you can frankly have partnership with the divine God, the universe, whatever word works for you. I don't know about you, Scott, but when I don't think the universe has my back, I'm scared. And when I can't hear my own truth, I can't hear my own intuition, I'm terrified. And so that all has to do with this, this intimacy, this intimate partnership. Well, there's a lot of pure gold in every word of what you just said. First of all, let's just throw it on the table. I'm pretty sure my feminine side personally is a lesbian. Um, pray, pray tell, tell me more. What, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> I thought that would stand alone. <laughs> okay, I'll just let it stand alone. <laughs> if I have a feminine side, she's still pretty much attracted to women. So it's just a little levity there, I suppose. I but like, I do think it's true. Scott, I'm like, okay, we need to analyze this. We need to figure this out for Scott. We got to um, keep going. That's our Alana Pratt for you. She's already on it. Um, that's why we love you, Alana, <laughs> among other reasons. Now, listen, uh, I love what you said in general. So let's take the quick responses I have for that first. You're absolutely right about COVID and about the depression and the fear that came from it. Yeah. I believe, and this is me putting my tinfoil hat on, it probably was socially engineered to make people more dependent on a government due to their own fear. But I do believe that people are much lonelier. People have let their social muscles atrophy. And because they've kind of forgotten how to dance, they're now afraid of the dance. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of undoing that has to be done. And indeed, instead of the dating apps and even the dating sites, the long form ones such as Match, stepping up to the plate, they really just saw dollar signs and perfected the art of social engineering with COVID. And yeah. indeed, men are swiping right on anything in a skirt or maybe not even in a skirt. And women are thinking that every guy who's swiped right on them has chosen them. So everybody's left holding the bag when we all flake on each other and nobody ever shows up for anything. And yet our dopamine rush is on hyperdrive and everybody is addicted to getting more and more approval without ever actually meeting. And voila, just like you said, they realize it's great business to keep us all single. I, I don't even advocate guys getting on apps anymore. And I used to be the biggest champion of online dating in general. Yeah. Yeah. And you also talked about kind of on the more macro level, this really profound idea that when we decide to blame outwardly an entire gender other than our own, it's sort of projection. I mean, I guess it all starts with someone of that other gender being rude or abusive towards us. I mean, listen, Alana, you and I both have been around the block a little bit. You and I have both suffered through really bad relationships. Yeah. Yet the difference between us and some other people is we don't blame the entire other gender for what happened. Both of us didn't like feeling victimized. We didn't feel, we didn't like feeling like we were a victim because we didn't like that disempowered feeling. And both of us did the work to do better, be better, to grow both emotionally and spiritually and in terms of knowledge too, I'd say. Yeah. And you and I have seen the light at the end of the tunnel and walked through it respectively in our lives. Yet really a lot of people succumb to the abuse and end up granting superpowers to those who abused them or mistreated them or divorced them or broke up with them or physically assaulted them or sexually assaulted them. 
in a way that really just gives too much credit to the abuser. I mean, that's what the abuser wanted is to ruin us. And the greatest revenge is to rise above, which is a term I love. So nevertheless, if we feel damaged, what we do is we lash out and that hurt ends up presenting itself as blame and accusation. And let's just throw on the table, extreme distaste for the people we're supposed to be attracted to and be in partnership with. And that really leaves us out of the dance and keeps us from being fulfilled in a way that the God of the universe you talk about so fondly, and I do too, really designed for us. Yeah. 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 It's beautiful that you are so accurately showing the pickle we get ourselves in. And as you were talking, I was thinking about energy and be it the the men or the women focusing on everything that's wrong out there. What are you focusing on? You're going to get more of. So even if there are great guys or great gals out there, you're never going to meet them. You're not even focusing on them. You're not at a vibration to attract them. So that's, that's just on the outside. And on the inside, you're avoiding where you actually can turn it all around, which is coming back into partnership with yourself, forgiving yourself, letting go of internal criticism, being curious about the lesson, the gift, the benefit of how the very worst can bring out the best in you and developing resilience and and learning to trust yourself again. Oh, how could I ever trust out there? Well, you can't control people. Has anybody ever told you that? Guess what? Can't control life. (laughs) Everything's uncertain, always has been, always will be. You know, nothing's fair, never has been, never will be. Like the, the real grow up stuff, like let's really be honest. We can't control another human. We certainly can't control life, and we've really felt that with the the different things that would be locked down, or you can't fly here, or you can't go there. And so the good news, the gift, I think, in what's been going on in the last couple of years, hopefully, if you do the work, is you you slow down and you start to try to find that safety that you've been looking for on the outside, inside. Protect yourself on the inside, or that sense of appreciation that you're seeking, or approval, Give that to yourself on the inside. That's actually your superpower. I love the wavelength you're on because (laughs) I have been talking lately quite a bit about how it's really ironic to me that so many people complain about life, about the United States of America or whatever country they're living in, and how this is the worst time to be alive and racism is worse than ever and sexism is worse than ever and people are more violent than ever. And they're doing so from the safety of their living room with their big screen TV, leaving their door unlocked at night. We live in mm-hmm. the era of extreme convenience, extreme privilege, and extreme comfort. And really, honestly, I Mm. think we've turned into a bunch of entitled brats who think not only we're owed everything by the government or by whoever we want to impose things on, but that we're owed everything by God himself. You know, coming from a Mm. Judeo-Christian background myself, Alana, one of the things that just makes me want to vomit is the bless me culture, the prosperity gospel. Like, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? And Mm. Jesus wants you to have lots of money and be rich and never have any problems. That's not the design of life. Yes. Life is about pain and pleasure, strife and relaxation, about tragedy and great joy. And one of the things I think is a negative casualty 
of this entitlement culture is we think relationships are there for our for our satisfaction and to indulge us of whatever it is that we're looking for. All the dating advice, I'm sure this makes you sick too, is like, here's three simple words to make this man drop everything and come to you. Here are three simple words to whisper in a woman's ear to make her spread her legs and have sex with you without any, you know, without any strings attached. Someone brought this to my attention. One of the, one of the newest search terms in porn is free use fantasy. What's that? I'm not even really sure, but from the sound of it, it's like, here's a girl I can just use for free and throw her away. Isn't that just, you know, a natural conclusion someone would have drawn from this culture, right? Yeah. And it occurs to me that the reality of life, and I'm sure this occurred to people back in the 19th century and earlier quite easily. I don't know why it took me so long. That really, we don't own anything. We don't even own our own lives. It's all a generous rental from the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. For us to make, you know, what we can from it. So a woman in my life doesn't owe me whatever I want at her own expense. Yeah. There has to be a partnership. There has to be a dance. There has to be mutual joy that comes from it. And that comes from masculinity and femininity together and from having an ethical, benevolent outlook towards each other. And yeah. I think what ends up happening is when that's misplaced, it gets perverted and people all over the place, men, women, or whatever, say, you know what? I'm not getting what I want. Screw those people. I now can't stand them. I don't trust them. I don't like them because my selfish needs aren't getting met. And I think that's really twisted. And you just alluded to unraveling that as perhaps the first step of this puzzle of healing from all this. Mm. Well, thank you for that. And I have to, um, I I choose to always be transparent and vulnerable. That's part of intimacy, right? So while I'm a very masterful coach, I always reveal um, when I have something wobbly, when I'm a hot mess, when I have a blind spot. And one of them was blame. And it would be blame of my dad. That would be like the first wound, blame of the first husband, blame of the second husband, blame, blame. Um, and then poor me victim, just hyper vigilantly waiting for them to change or grow up or be there for me or, or do the right thing or, but notice where my attention was. I mean, what was it? What did, what would it feel like to those guys with me? Wait, just waiting for them to make the next wrong move. It was probably awful until I really had to face not only just forgiving aspects of myself in the masculine, which I referred to earlier in the podcast, but the other thing that I had to face was I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to take full responsibility for my power. My power, frankly, scared me. And for me to be that mm, bright and light and um, make that amount of impact and have no one to blame and have to take full responsibility and not judge myself and own my ability to be the light, to be up under men and women, to awaken their and inspire their best self. There was, I couldn't have any more back doors. I had to face my own fears of failure, my own fears of rejection, my own fears of what's, I don't know what's going to happen. It's all unknown. Like it was really about me growing up, Scott. And when I really got, okay, so the relationships aren't working because I'm blaming others and I'm blaming myself, just blame in every single friggin' direction. And I knock that shit off and I come first into allowance. I mean, you can't go from hating yourself to like, oh my God, I love myself. That's fake spiritual bypass, but go, okay, I'm in allowance 
that I've made some mistakes. I don't like it. I don't prefer it. I choose to do better, but I'm going to stop judging myself. This is literally scientifically measured in coherence. It raises your vibration. When your vibration raises, you begin to turn on the best of your brain. You start to make better decisions. Turns on your intuition and instinct so you can learn to trust yourself again, which feels like confidence. So as we're going in this direction from hatred, self-hatred or blame of self or others, first into allowance. Okay, things start to pick up. You have a little more spring in your step. You start to be grateful for the small things. You, you, you're, you're humbled. You're doing the work. Then we can move even higher up on that scale to truly appreciate ourselves, not just for where we're, you know, amazing, badass, masterful, but also appreciate our wobbly self, have compassion for our wobbly self, have tenderness and care for that scared part that's afraid to show up and ask somebody on a date, afraid to ask how you'd really like to be touched sexually, afraid to be vulnerable and share about your deepest fears. That's going to take something. Courage. Courage comes from the heart and that you can't find that when the heart is closed. So by allowance and then appreciation, then you start to have this great relationship with yourself. And then you have that superpower to give your partner. They're feeling sad. You don't judge them or fix them. You go, oh, wow, I'm right here. I got your back. Tell me more. No fixing, no changing, which keeps the libido going. Because as soon as we move into trying to fix our partner, we become their mentor or their mother or their father, right? Um, And it's not safe to be vulnerable anymore. So this idea of how to go from adversarial into partnership, we've talked about allowance, We've talked about appreciation and we've talked about giving that to our partner. And then if we can do that and then bring sex into it, I find that it goes from genital copulation to true making love that within that touch, you can feel their care. You can feel their lack of blame. You feel safe and, and it's, it's beautiful. It takes work. It takes commitment. It, every day you can't expect a six pack going to the gym once you got to keep going <laughs> got to keep drinking that gallon of water scott right um but by doing the work the return on that time energy and resource is so rich that it just becomes of course this is what i do i take care of myself i take care of my partner you know alex allman and i did a show probably a year or two ago now. oh i haven't talked to him forever either that's wonderful yeah good dude and the subject was what is true love Mm. And both of us arrived at the same conclusion and we're doing so from different directions, which is a wonderful thing about Alex. Love is the absence of fear. So when you stop fearing your partner, then and only then do you truly, honestly, and purely love them. And, you know, I mean, there's a sliding scale here. I mean, can you 100% stop fearing this relationship and the person you're in it with. I mean, that was open to debate, but the less fear, the more love, more true love can come through. Mm. And one of the things that I found very interesting that got me to thinking while you were waxing poetic on all of this, as always, Mm. Alana, it's Mm. this idea of a woman not being able to be your lover and your mommy at the same time. Mm. And if she's having to molly coddle you, it's because you're not manning up. You're not showing the masculine. And she's having to kind of encourage you to do that. Be the hero, be the provider and protector. So she feels like she's got to rescue you or somehow fix you, to use the exact word you did. Mm. Then something is out of balance in that relationship. Mm. 
And then the man is going to feel insulted or disrespected because this woman who's supposed to be his lover is turning into a mommy figure. But then again, the woman would see no choice. <laughs> That's what she feels like she has to do. That feels like the position she's been put upon. And yet you delineated so many nice steps to getting over ourselves as men and leaving some room for that woman's love and her femininity to shine through by curtailing the self-talk that's so negative, actually forgiving ourselves. Because we as men, Alana, as you know, can be so binary. It's mm. either on or off. We're bad or we're good. We screwed up or we succeeded wildly. And a lot of that gray area helps us to relax into, well, to bring this full circle, seeing that I don't have to own and manage and dominate every single thing in my life. Some of this really is a rental. It's out of my control. And even the likes of Jocko Willink and these big tough guys will say, hey, you know what? If you want to practice what Jocko would call extreme ownership towards a situation instead of blaming everybody else, taking full responsibility for it. Mm. And he, he's very military as he talks about this. <laughs> he talks about it in a very different way you do. But oh. you have to figure out what you legitimately don't have control over. I mean, for example, you cast your ballot for president, someone wins the presidency, and someone loses it. It could be the guy you voted for or not, but you can't overturn the presidency no matter how much you squeal about it on Twitter. What are the things in my life that I do have agency over? And just like you said, I can't control another person. Hell, Alana, you and I can't even coach another person. I'm sure you've had people come to you saying, hey, make this person treat me better or make this person want to go out with me. And you can't do that. But no. we can control those things we have agency over. And that is very empowering. And it is also very healing, isn't it? Mm. Yes. To to know that we can come into this union within ourselves, forgive ourselves, empower ourselves, have agency over thoughts that normally take us out. We can change those limiting thoughts, untriggered or sorry, unhealed triggers or wounds or traumas. We can actually change that. And when we do, it's a confidence from the inside out that no one and no thing and no circumstance could ever take away. And that makes, I think, people sexy. Because well, there you go. throw any circumstance at them, throw anybody's name calling at them, and they don't lose their center. They don't react. They don't justify. They they just be. That's that's power. That's true power to to choose and create uh, an amazing life together. And when you can have two people that do this work, before I would say my relationships, uh, it's just semantics, but I would call it soulmate, and now I would call it wholemate, or in our com my company, heartmate. So before in soulmate, it was like I'm half broken, you're half broken, you can complete me, I will control you, and I will give away my truth, anything not to lose you, uh, don't abandon me, and all the drama that goes on when two people aren't willing to take ownership and aren't willing to have their own agency. But then when you get to the next level and both people are willing to do their own inner work and it's it, it's not half and half equals one and it's not even one and one equals two, I think it's like one and one equals infinity. Beautiful. Because I bet you when you look in your marriage, she awakened or still awakens something in you that was dormant that only she through devotion and doing the work and work with self and work is in your relationship that you're more, you're literally more because of her and vice versa. 
And we can have relationships in general, partnerships, true partnerships in general, where one and one is infinity. The planet is going to (laughs) benefit. Consciousness is going to benefit. Our kids, everyone is going to benefit. So that's my, that's my commitment that we come into partnership with self and then each other for the good of this beautiful planet. Well, you know, the culmination of this conversation as we draw to a close here, Alana, and this has been a fantastic show so far. How does this look practically when we're doing things right, when we're doing the self-work, when we're forgiving ourselves, when we're opening our heart to the person in our life and expecting the best, and you know, not Pollyanna-ish optimism, but an informed approach where, hey, I'm a forgiver, not a blamer. And I've done what it takes to be one half of this great relationship so that the sum of the parts isn't one plus one equals two, but infinity, like you said, I think that's fantastic. Mm. What happens? How does this look? What are the practicalities? I mean, I can kind of start this conversation off by saying my wife and I don't insult each other because we don't fear each other. We are looking out for each other's best interests, which makes the other person respond very beautifully to Mm. us. We have. If it was ever there, there is certainly no sense of ownership or jealousy. I treat my relationship with my wife as a gift, not as property, and mm-hmm. certainly not her personally as my property. And I feel that way about my children, too. I think everything is a blessing from God, not something that I have to scramble to keep somebody's hands off my stack, lest it be taken from me. Mm-hmm. Because there's an ebb and flow in life. Unfortunate things happen. Fortunate things happen. And then when we go through the inevitable trials and tribulations in life, and gentlemen, my wife and I have, our family has, you know, I don't get on the microphone here and bitch about our personal lives, but please know we're not living some preternaturally, unusually charmed life. We go through things like everybody else does, and some of them, and some of them would make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, okay? But nevertheless, My wife and I grow through those. We're grateful that we have each other. That word gratitude, and I know you love that word too, Alana. Mm -hmm. Instead of the blame, instead of the instead of the attitude that I've been cheated, I've been disrespected, all of a sudden I'm grateful for what I have. And when the road twists and turns in a way that we really didn't expect or want, we get through it together and we're happier to go through it together than if we were separate. So these situations where life throws you a curve and couples break up because of it. It's not something we would foresee happening in our marriage because we don't blame each other. We don't distrust each other. What would you add to that? Mm, I love this. I love that you're a we. If it's good for you, it's good for me. Mm. If it's not good for you, then inherently it's not good for me. What are we going to do about this? Because we are a team. I so love that. I so love that. That's the way it's supposed Uh, to be. Yes, but most people don't get that. Like, I'm a stand for me and I'm a stand for you, but am I actually a stand for us? Ah, maybe that's the golden nugget, the golden takeaway from this entire show, that you got to stop thinking in terms of individuals and think of a partnership as we. Then it's really hard to blame when you think of it as one unit because you'd only be blaming yourself or are you blaming her or who exactly are you blaming when it's us together? (laughs) It kind of diffuses the whole concept weirdly, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think a lot of people maybe attempt that, but in so doing lose themselves. So I'm not talking about losing who you are. It's one whole meets another whole. And then there's a bubble around the two of them. That's the we. So it's by being your best self that you become your best we. 
And so I'm in total agreement with that. I would add a few things, uh, quality over quantity. I would much rather have my partner be present with me and listen without interrupting or ask related questions to what I'm talking about or show me empathy or just hold me as I let it out. I would rather have a shorter period of quality presence than a longer period of quantity, but half listening, half asking it. Um, it puts, frankly, it puts me into a state of neediness or I'm not good enough. And, but just a short dose of deep presence soothes my soul to the core. So think about quality and that your presence is pretty much the sexiest thing and the safest thing that you can provide. Um, and a lot of guys are amazing fixers and solution this and accomplish that and achieve this. And that's, I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying <laughs> at the end of the day, please go out and kick ass and, you know, live your purpose. But when it really comes down to the nourishment, the nourishment of your relationship, it's your presence. Your presence takes top, top prize every single time. That's one thing. Second thing, clean up messes. Do not let them fester. Apologize um, and learn. Learn to apologize in a way that works and learn to grow from that so that it doesn't happen again. And learn to receive apologies and not hold grudges. So this whole idea of what does it take to come clean with yourself and with each other, make that a priority. Because believe me, if you don't, those will grow and those, those will take you down. That would be number two. And then number three, affection, not just sex. Um, the idea of a 10-second hug every morning and every night. One potato, two potato, three potato, four. You haven't broken yet. You're still hugging. You know, five potato, six potato, seven potato more. You're still hugging. Sounds fattening. <laughs> um, there's something that happens when you can feel and sense beyond just the, the very first little touch. You maybe will, there'll be something unexpressed, but in that longer hug, it'll arise. Maybe a turn on, you haven't really been in the mood, but it'll arise. Maybe there's something that you're sad or scared about that'll arise. Whatever's true, you've got to slow down to feel, you've got to feel. And these hugs allow you to feel. And I like to end those hugs with something you appreciate about each other and appreciation, not as a thought, but appreciation, like literally feel it. Science says we cannot raise our coherence with thinking only with feeling so you got to practice feeling people, not just think about, oh, yeah, I'm really grateful that they took out the trash or they were good with the kids. No, no, no. What is it like to feel that? It ought to move you. It ought to touch you. It ought to open your heart. And they're going to feel that, especially in a hug. You can feel when someone's heart is, is open or closed. You can feel when they're present or not. You can feel when a woman's doing a permakegel <laughs> or when she's open and juicy. You can feel this. So practice feeling and appreciating one another uh, with that 10-second hug morning and night. You'd be amazed at the intimacy and the connection that it provides. That's about as practical as it gets. You know, Alana, whenever I'm asked, McKay, what do women want? My answer has become the same. I'll say, a woman wants you to hold her, tell her everything's going to be okay, and believe you. Yep, pretty much. And, uh, it may not be okay, but that comfort, that security, that olive branch of safety given by the warrior, as you would call him, 
matters as long as he keeps his end of the masculine bargain. Yeah. And that circle of lifting fear and replacing it with love perpetuates in that context. Yeah. I love everything you said. I think this is an epic show, one of the best we've had in quite a while. And on that note, Alana, I want to send these guys to your website. Hmm. And it is alanaprat.com. But what I'm going to do is point them to mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Pratt, P-R-A-T-T, because Alana can have either too many or too few L's or N's in it. So let's just keep it simple. P-R-A-T-T. Uh, for what it's worth, it's A-L-L-A-N-A. But uh, mountaintoppodcast.com front slash Pratt, P-R-A-T-T, is the place to go. And Alana, what are they going to find when they get there? Mm, there's an intimacy blind spot quiz. Because nobody can see their blind spots and something that might be right under your nose that's going to support deep connection, that soul-shaking uh, relationship you could discover. There's also all the different social media handles. I have over 5 million views on YouTube, so there's probably going to be wonderful resources there. Um, the amazing Scott McKay has been on my podcast. I've probably done over 800 um, interviews in my life, so a lot of great content there. Um, and so you're, you're going to feel home. And if you feel so desired, get on my email list because there's um, videos that only go out to my email list that are even more vulnerable and delicious than this awesome podcast. And it's my way to love you and be that inspiration uh, in your life so that you can keep your heart open to yourself, to your beloved, and really give and receive one and one equals infinity in your epic partnership. So, Scott, thank you so much for having me on. Again, you get it. You live it. Um, and it's we'll, ha we'll just keep doing this for another 15 years. <laughs> oh, 50, 150. <laughs> Fantastic. We love you, Alana. And I couldn't help but notice there was an airplane flying over your Yellowstone ranch out there while you were talking. And I got to daydreaming while that was happening, how much fun it would be to fly out there in those mountains, oh. land on the lakes with a float plane. Must be amazing. Must be like Alaska. It's beautiful. And I'm super, wow. super grateful. Yeah. Well, Alana, thank you so much for joining us. And Again, this has been a fantastic conversation. This is going to go in my top picks on YouTube. Uh, it's that valuable of a conversation. And I trust a lot of you guys out there are really going to be able to feel which direction you should head in with regard to your relationships with women. And listen, gentlemen, a special message for any of you guys out there who have allowed yourself to become bitter towards women. Hey, it all starts with you. Take ownership. Take responsibility. Do what it takes to heal. That's not a weak thing to do. That's a rich, strong, masculine warrior's responsibility. And I'm not just saying that in some sort of quasi-poetic way that's going to make your eyes roll. Once you dig into this and start making it happen in your life, you are going to feel more empowered. You are going to feel stronger. You're going to feel less like a victim, and you're going to have that agency over your world. Insofar that this world can be controlled. I mean, like I said, it's all a rental, <laughs> but you know, you'll be able to let go, surrender those things you can't control and focus a lot more fully and dare I say effectively on those things that you can. Yeah. Gentlemen, if you have not visited mountaintoppodcast.com lately, check out the master classes. Those master classes are dedicated to our growth as men in a laser focused area every single month. If you feel like you would like to have a coach to walk through this with you, you don't have to do it alone. Get on my calendar, 
talk to me for 25 minutes for free. If the call goes a little bit longer than that, no worries. But you get on my calendar. If you resonate with this show, with the message of this show, the topics we talk about, I'm probably the right guy to stand in the gap with you and help you reach your goals of being the best man you can be and getting the greatest woman in your life you can get. It all starts at mountaintoppodcast.com, and I hope to see you guys there. While you're there, yes, absolutely visit our wonderful sponsors, Origin in Maine, Hero Soap, and Keyport. Use Mountain 10 when you support any of those fine companies, all of which support our veterans. And uh, there are so many things there for you at mountaintoppodcast.com. You can get lost for quite a while downloading all the free goodies. Mountaintoppodcast.com is where it all starts. And until I talk to you again real soon, this is Scott McKay from X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. The Mountaintop Podcast is produced by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to visit www.mountaintoppodcast.com for show notes. And while you're there, sign up for the free X and Y Communications newsletter for men. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for The Mountaintop Podcast.